0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Thanks, Daniel, very much for the intro. Thanks, Nancy, for asking me, and thanks for everyone for showing up today. I'm Lucy, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic in London, as Daniel just said. And I gave the topic of The Real Connection in the hope that it would inspire me to to talk but I'm kind of inspireless at the moment and um, every, everything is just grey at the moment and um, I uh, haven't been inspired so I'm just gonna you're just gonna get a bog standard experience strength and hope share I hope you don't mind and hopefully if anyone needs you know hopefully God will speak through me what an what a um, honour if God does speak through me what an honour um, so I thought I really don't want to do like a the bog standard experience, strength, and hope. Because I don't want to get too caught up in the acting out, but I suppose I have to. You know, without step one, we we get nowhere, do we? So my step one is that I started um, compulsive masturbation as a young child when I was about three or four years old, and um I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. So I would do it in public, um and people would, you know, either stare at me or my mum would be like, "Stop it, Lucy," and I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> I didn't understand there was anything wrong with it. And it, I feel like it got me through my early early childhood years, which were difficult. And I'd leave my, you know, I'd get bored in my in my classroom at school, and I'd just go to the toilet and act out, and that was just pretty normal for me. And I I was kind of like um, onto the cattle to market that's what I felt like I was doing with the compulsive acting out the compulsive masturbation I just felt kind of dead inside and compulsive masturbation gave me such a boost and a jolt woke me up but it also soothed me and I loved it from the very get go and as I got older that progressed into um, still acting out in public just not in front of other people I've been led to act out on tube carriages um, stairwells um in changing rooms in clothes in clothes shops and about you know as i got older i'd fantasize more and my fan i had a very very rich fantasy life and um even even at school i would lie they'd say what did you do at the weekend and i'd say i went rock climbing at the weekend or i went swimming with dolphins at the weekend because my life was so rubbish i just needed to that fantasy to augment some kind of meaning because i you know, I think we've all got it in us. We all search for meaning and depth and connection. And that's what I was seeking and just wasn't getting it. So I had to make up my own. And so, um, yeah, it got me through. Um, and I remember when I was in my 20s thinking about masturbation. I wonder if this is doing me any damage because my life was a mess. I couldn't handle my, my emotional nature. I couldn't handle life at all. Couldn't be responsible. And... You know, I said to myself, I wonder if, wonder if this masturbation's got anything to do with it. And after I didn't give it a second thought. After that, that was I just thought, oh well, let's just get on with it, and um, let's just, uh, yeah, I didn't give it a second thought. What started to bug me though was the fact that I had the fantasy. Okay, other people's Lucy, boundaries, you know, Lucy,
2: yeah. Yeah, for, forgive me yep. for interrupting, but sometimes your your connection isn't too clear. So maybe if you stop your video, yeah, there you go. Great.
1: Okay, okay. Let me know again, Daniel, if necessary. You sound good now. Okay, okay. good, good. So basically, uh, I've got a conscience telling me that um fantasizing about these guys was not right. It was encroaching on their boundaries, their spiritual boundaries. And um, a, a little while later after that, I came into S fellowships. And um, yeah, so my my acting out, I'd be late for work. I'd be too tired to go out to socialize because I'm acting out. And promiscuity, that started when I was very really young, about 15. And I was having underage sex, sex with older guys um my friends all found out and they all dumped me um I just didn't understand why I was just just being a sexaholic you know I was just being myself I didn't understand I was doing anything wrong being myself being a sexaholic and you know promiscuity growing up um I dabbled in prostitution and I said to my sponsor you know I acted out for money I acted out for drugs and alcohol I acted out for a place to stay the night whatever and she said well you know what don't you know call it what it is a spade is a sp- call it what it is. it's prostitution and you engage in it and you know just get on oh, don't worry about it you know just it is what it is so um yeah so i'd act out with guys sometimes for money sometimes for alcohol sometimes for drugs sometimes for a place to stay um and um yeah, it was a, it, it 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 was a mess, you know, and I, I I grew to kind of hate men even though they had the thing I wanted. I grew to hate them at the same time because I could never get enough really, and I just resented that men had this thing that I wanted and that I had to seek them out and please them and placate them to get what I wanted. You know, I just wanted what I wanted and I didn't want to have to give anything in return. And you know, it got to the point where also I was stealing from these guys, I'd steal from their houses, I'd steal from them and um anyway when I was acting out in the prostitution you know, the thing that really shames me the most is that well a I it wasn't I wasn't doing it for the money I didn't need the money I found I found ways to spend it but I didn't need it it was just an excuse for me to, to have as much sex as I wanted um I I'd I'd tell myself these lies you know like it's because I need the money I didn't need the money at all and um and the other thing was um I um, can't remember what I was going to say. But anyway, that continued. A bit of a, like a road, like a bloody mess throughout my... And I, was, I was just doing that in, until... I, got, I didn't have any relationships, by the way. I'm a, definitely a love cripple. I had one with a, with an older guy. and it, Anyway, I'm a, definitely a love cripple. I won't bore you with the details of that. But anyway, so when I was about 28, 29, I came into 12-step recovery for food. And... When I did my step four, I was like, "Oh my god, I've got a big problem there with my s behavior, my sex conduct." On my step four was just atrocious, and I just thought, "Lucy, you got to go to SLA, SLAA. You got, you got to do. Look at the state of this. You know, by that time I had acted out with women, um, as well, which I could have done without, but I did so." Yeah, I realised. And I came into SLAA and I got sober because I worked a very rigorous programme. Um, but then once I'd been sober for for a while, they were like, now it's, re-time. now it's time to reclaim your sexuality and go out there with a healthy sex drive. And I kind of knew that would fail, but I thought, oh, I'd love to give it a go. So I did. Ended up back into the cycle of acting out. And that's when I kind of, I carried on regardlessly with the recoveries. I've always loved being in recovery. Food, alcohol, and lust. And um yeah, eventually I um stopped working for me. And I had a spiritual awakening, which led to me develop getting into a religion. And I was not brought up religious at all. Um so I haven't had all the bad stuff associated with other people seem to have picked up from from their religions because that wasn't drummed into me at all. Um so I um I I carried on um, working the steps and I got this spiritual awakening, which led me to my religion. And that's when I kind of realised I had to go black and white about my recovery. Um, and uh, yeah, um, the um, our sobriety definition is so precious to me. You know, and if it doesn't work for some people, they don't have to stay in SA if they don't want to. But for me, SA really, really is the elixir of, of, of recovery. It's what it's all about. You know, and it is, its it's been hard. It's been bittersweet. You know, it's it's hanging out with guys all the time. Obviously, was ex- exhilarating in the beginning. And it still is today, to be honest. You know, if there's a room full of guys and it's, the room is full up with testosterone, you know, I'd be a liar to say I'm not affected by that you know, and attracted to that because I am. But in recovery, it just takes me to another dimension because I'm healing with these men, these men that I hated, these men that I stole from, not not literally this lot, but men in general, you know. And and here I am getting well with guys who I, w- I would have been acting out in, in the past with, I, you know. Um, so it was kind of interesting. And obviously my relationships with men had to heal. My relationships with women had to heal as well. Because it really um, damages the ability to relate to another sister. The competition and all that jazz. And um, I also had a lot of fear around women. My mum was very, very violent and unpredictable. Um, And I really feared women for a long time. And I think I still do, probably always will, to be honest. But, um, yeah. Um, So... You know, I'm looking for the real connection. I'm looking for the real connection these days. And I, you know, if I don't get married, I'll never have sex again. And I and I realised that. And I'm I'm still open to that. Uh, I'm still open to recovery in spite of that. Because when I first came in, I was just like, the only thing that could get me through the day was thinking that one day I will get married and one day I will have sex again. But I've come to realise that may never happen. It just may never happen and I have to be okay with that. Because all the stuff I was searching for with the drugs, the alcohol, food, and everything, the lust, was a connection to my higher power. And today I have a very interesting, immediate connection with my higher power. It's like we have a constant inner dialogue all through the day. When I'm not thinking with my mind about prayer, my heart is in a state of prayer for most of the day because I'm I'm in a state of... Being open to God, and um, it it freaks me out a lot sometimes. Even though I ask God for Him, for Himself, it still freaks me out when He gives it to me. You know, and I know God loves me, and that freaks me out as well. I could never accept love from any of the men I went with. I could never ever accept it. I'd get angry at the thought of it. And I, I sometimes I say to God, God, why do you love me? You're driving me crazy. Because he pursues me, you know, gently, as they say, gently. Um, So, yeah, um, I know for me, like, it's all about the higher power and the healing that has to take place. And I'm going through a a growth spurt at the moment. You know, I'm nearly six years sober. I'm 18 months clean of food and six years clean of alcohol. And, you know, I'm going through a kind of cathartic purging, which is so painful so painful like emotionally mentally spiritually physically painful and I can't act out with anything and I really wanted to but I know I can't because I'm at the stage where I've struck gold this is the stuff I used to act out on this is the stuff that was ruining my life and running in the background in my subconscious and now I have opportunity to deal with it in real time you know and because that fantasist in me that I mentioned in the beginning doesn't want to doesn't want to face my reality at all, and the reality is that the past is in the past, it's done. Um, I've got to grow up. I'm thirty eight years old now, and I still don't feel like an adult. I've got to grow up. I've got to take responsibility, and I've got to make the best life I can for myself on this planet. And luckily I've been brought to 12 step recovery. So I actually have a chance in doing that. And my current sponsor, she she's less sober than I am, but she's got the recovery I want. She's really on it. And she's looking at other stuff as well, like money issues and under earning. And because I was, when I was prostituting, I was really cheap. I was like 10 pounds, 20 pounds prostitute. Like I'm so embarrassed about that, but (laughs) because <laughs> I had money issues you know it all just oh my god anyway so she's giving me really really good um encouragement at the moment and she's really sharing she does a lot of talking but that's what I need at the moment I just listen I'm li- and every sentence she's saying to me I'm just like oh my god it feels like medicine going in so I'm really glad to have this new sponsor that I'm working with um however um my sponsoring leaves a lot to be desired I'm not a very good sponsor and um you know I've got to face up to that I make a decision about that whether I continue on or or stop so yes yeah, so um I, I do as much service as I can in the in the program um and I've started to accept and admit because I don't you know my friends all left me I was i you know my friends are the people in SA my real friends and at the moment that's a bunch of old guys in Camden in North London but they're my best friends it's really weird they're my best friends they drive me oh god they drive me mad sometimes but i drive them mad sometimes as well and um yeah i love going to conventions having a good um power surge of recovery and you know studied my white book diligently when i first got it hardly referred to it at all these days um and i i I'm, i know that i'm in the right place the 12-step recovery as a way of life is is a is a way of life for me now it's not just some program that i it's, it's a it's a way of life and you know it gives me um freedom from my own demons and and real demons to be frank um i believe sexaholism is a disease of like a what's it called a possession like demonic possession that's what it feels like and I forget what it feels like sometimes in my early days that intense deep demonic dark force you know and acting out a little bit and then the huge surge of acting out afterwards and I forget how difficult it was in the beginning to get that sobriety I I tried for a long time I've maybe, maybe six months or something I know that's not that long in comparison with some others but to be in the madness for that long um I can't even remember how long it was not maybe a year I'm not even not a year though um and um yeah and here I am six years later sober getting sane that's what I always wanted in step two that was what I wanted I was like sanity please yes whatever it takes and I'm getting sanity I still have mental health issues there's a difference I have sanity around lust these days because I know what I know about lust I don't I don't press that first button I don't I don't pick up that first bit of lust because I know what I am and I know how I react but the other side of my mental health is atrocious um I have very at the moment depression schizophrenia um it's a mess but when I'm dealing with the last in this program and this is the only place I can deal with it I can actually have a a chance at working on the other emotional stuff um when I'm in the last I can't address my other my other problems so being sober is like my basic my it's my foundation really um to everything else um health life other other programs and um yeah, I don't think I could ever give it enough credit. SA, it is—it's a—it's a strong force um, to attach to, and even though I have my higher power as God, I still have my higher power as SA as well, and the the collective um, consciousness of us all. Um, and um, yeah, I, just, I wish I wasn't a sexaholic. I'd like to be normal, but I really can't picture myself ever being normal. Um, and um. Yeah, just trying to make myself open to, to to God and stuff like that. But um I think that's all I've got time. Um, all I've got to say. Let um, me just quickly think. Um, yeah, no, I think that's it. I think yeah, I think I'm sh- I'm, sh- I'm done. Thank you for listening, everyone.
2: Thank you, Lucy.
3: Thanks for sharing.
2: Thank
4: you, uh thank you, Daniel, and. Uh, yeah thank you so much lucy lucy for that uh, for that share i really needed to hear that share today uh, and i'm really grateful i uh really grateful i got to hear it uh i can't speak for my or your higher power but it certainly sounded like the higher power was speaking through your share and it sounded really precious what you said about your relation and your connection with your higher power and sort of walking with with your higher power throughout the day so um Uh, yeah and I just wanted to thank you Uh, it was it was a great share I got a lot out of it I got a lot of identification out of it as well love the honesty um, as well so thank you for sharing
2: thanks Federico Katrine you're up next
1: thanks
5: Daniel thank you Lucy thank you very much for your share yeah I was touched by to hear your story and to hear your recovery journey and um I, I was also touched to hear that you're constantly in contact with your higher power through prayer or prayer in your heart. Like you feel your higher power is there. And, um, and I, I currently ask somebody to be my sponsor with less sobriety than me, because I'm attracted to her humility and her service, how she's rooted in the program really, but it turns out she couldn't do it. So um uh, I also relate to asking people who have less sobriety. It, um, it's not necessarily a criteria for sponsorship, um, but I, I feel like more um, how people, you know, what I can sense from their recovery, really. And, um, and I wanted to ask you when you shared about um, your friends are now in SA and it's a bunch of men really in your local area, home group meetings, Um, how do you relate uh, to the women in the fellowship? um, Because you also shared about the the really painful and difficult stuff that comes up when we relate with women. And I feel like I have been a love cripple in every relationship towards men, towards women. It it doesn't really matter. But with women, it is uh, especially difficult for me sometimes. I also have fear and, and things like that. So I would like to ask
1: how you relate to women. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. Um, First of all, I see them as individual beacons of light. Um, Because there's not that many of us. I don't mean to say men ain't precious. Because there's not that many of us, I do appreciate the women more. So I make extra effort with women. Uh, because it's it's, it's necessary um yeah um yeah just make effort basically um and try to see them as the kind of beautiful sparkly uh beings that they are and um hopefully to have a new experience of relating to women every time I relate to a woman um yeah I hope that makes sense a lot. Thanks very much.
2: Thank you, Catherine. Uh, let's see, Nancy's up next.
6: Yeah. Hi. Um. Hi, everyone. Thanks, dean for your service and Rajna, and thank you, Lucy, so much for sharing. Um, I really like. I really like what you said about the insanity of the addiction and that the program helps me to deal with that insanity so that I can also then work on my other insanities. Um, and it reminds me from chapter five of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, even those with grave um, mental and emotional disorders, many of them do recover if they have the capacity to become, on, to become honest. And sometimes I'll say, many who for, suffer from grave emotional, check and emotion and uh, mental check disorders. And that's okay. That's really okay. I wanted to ask you, it was a phrase that you used and it's not so much in, in relationship to other S fellowships, but you talked about how when you got to a place where you were in a better place of recovery and then there was, now you were ready to, but I remember the phrase, to explore healthy sexuality or whatever it was. Um, and can you, can you share about what that means with you in an SA context? Does that question make sense? Um, sorry. Okay, well, then we'll go away from that question. Let's talk about the grave and mental and emotional disorders. Now that, can you talk a little more about that? Um, especially since SA helps you deal with the, the um, addiction insanity
1: yeah it, um when I work a program it shows me what is in my power and what is in my responsibility to deal with um and it it shows me, it tells me that I don't have to do things alone um but basically it just makes me have to um straighten up look fix up look sharp and and deal with stuff rather than just bury it another day bury it another day Bury it another day, because um, I'm just storing up for myself. Relapse, relapse, and relapse. Um, so I just kind of like, you know, pay as you go. Just kind of, um yeah, to deal with my problems as they come up, rather than let them all build up. Um, yeah, you know, when they say bite-sized chunks. When you should break down problems into bite-sized chunks and deal with it accordingly. That's what program allows me to do. It allows me the space to do that and the mental capacity to do it. And the humility to act on it, to act on my to-do lists and act on my who can I get to help me lists. Um, yeah, it just makes me accountable and makes me show up and it makes me value my life. Basically, so it's been saved, so it must be valuable.
6: Thank you very much.
2: Thanks, Nancy, for the question. Yeah. Uh... Okay, I don't see any virtual hands up, but the floor is still open. Feel free to speak up,
7: Lucy. Uh, Thank you so much for the share, Dana. Uh, I qualify. Uh, I love that idea about prayer and sometimes actively praying with your mind, and then other times just praying with your heart posture. Could you just talk more about that? Like today, for instance, what did what were the prayers you said with your mind? What what was the prayer you felt in your heart uh always
1: love hearing people talk about that thanks or the prayer in my heart today was mainly um to be blunt i'm bereft at the moment emotionally spiritually bereft and so sometimes um i can't put words onto that so it is coming from the heart um the prayer is beyond words and sentences it's a brokenness of heart that i unite to god i unite it to god and feel seen by god with with that um and then um because god is with me all the time i have very very often spurts of gratitude for everything really um so a general sense of gratitude which I get by writing lists daily. It then becomes a working part of my mind when I'm out and about. So yeah, gratitude and um communion. Just even if you know like even if me and God are just imagine sitting in a room, just sitting there together, not talking. We're still communing. We're still we're still connecting and um I mean it's quite hard to articulate prayer a lot of the time. But um I get a lot of mantras like the, the mantra that I, I I really like. When I'm feeling so low and, and bereft is um um our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Our hearts are restless until they rest in him. So my life on this planet is gonna feel hard until I you know, it it doesn't have to be really hard and horrible all the time, but it's gonna be difficult, you know, um until I pass away. And hopefully unite with God in in some way, shape or form. Um, Also, I read, um, or I have read a lot in the past, um, uh, my religious textbook, which um, gives me some really interesting words and sentences that kind of pop into my mind sometimes. Like, create for me a clean heart, oh God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Yeah it's basically uh, using all my senses to indulge in the prayer so words feelings music sometimes music is really helpful um yeah the full spectrum I basically binge on God I do basically people some people think I'm a weirdo for that but it's what I need to do and it's what God calls me into so who who is anyone else to say that someone else's program isn't working for them and Yeah. Anyway, that's it.
2: All right. Thanks, Jenny, for the question and Lucy. Okay. Uh, Brian K. Go ahead.
7: Thanks, Brian K. California. Um, feel honored. Uh, my higher power definitely spoke to me through your share deeply appreciate that. I also definitely relate to the demonic possession, uh, Notion you brought up, I I can't imagine demonic possession being worse than what I experienced. Definitely resonated on that. What actually happens, I don't know. I think that outside issue, but I definitely related to that. Um, Deeply, like you're used to the word elixir, that was an elixir of the English language. Um, Your your, your vernacular is really, really, really wonderful. In terms of um, the God thing, I I get that as well. Um, I used to um, think that he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good was true. Now I realize I'm no earthly good if I'm not completely heavenly minded. And I resonate with that 24 by 7 notion as well. If my mind, in fact, the the, the metaphor, I ha- the big book is full of it. Um, the, you know, on God, it depends on God. Everything's on God. So I get that. I'm buying into that. Um, and and if my, like last night, I, I woke up and my brain was into lust. And if I don't consciously turn towards my, my higher power and the book from my faith tradition, um, i turn it on audio and just listen to it that solves the problem and and i've likened it the metaphor i have is if i if i'm missing vitamin c i've been told my tongue will crave foods with vitamin c it can tell and and dr young wrote Bill W in the book pass it on this letter where he thinks it's a physical craving it's a physical reality or need for God i'm beginning to buy into that that in the same way my physical body craves nutrients my brain my mind needs my thoughts and my higher power constantly. And so I'm happy to be so heavenly minded. Somebody else may think I'm no earthly good, but I definitely know I'm earthly devastating if I'm not completely heavenly minded. So I totally buy into that. I was concerned with, I think I heard you say you rarely read the white book. That bothered me a little bit. Um, I love the big book, but I do love the the white book as well. And if I heard that correctly, I'd like elaboration on that if you're willing. Uh, Otherwise, uh, correct me. I pass.
1: Thanks, Brian. The reason why I said about I don't read it that often is because I have to be honest that I am lazy. I, I have read it and I've got lots of notes and it's it's well worn out. It's all rag, raggy and, but that was when I was first desperate. And to be honest with you, I'm lazy at the moment. So that's, that, that's why.
2: Fair enough. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Lucy.
8: Juan Carlos. Thank you very much, uh, Lucy, for your precious gift that you have given us tonight. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate a lot. Uh, I have been related with your share uh, and also that because of my family issues, uh, I have been always uh, pursued by mental diseases. Uh, My dad had uh, schizophrenia, so I was supposed to have uh, also, uh, well, mental disorders, um i I felt I, I remember that when I was at teenager, uh, I was in burnout I, I felt that no every day was can be uh, bad or or worse no better I, I, I remember that that feeling of uh, awkwardness, of being uh of being stupid to be living in this in this group and I realized that uh, because of that this program is a program of heroism and also uh, hope. Because no matter how far I have gone, there is always a a solution. Uh, I have found here in SA. Now I am in the process of of, of healing my problem. But uh, with the hope that can be possible someday. I don't know when, no matter what. I don't need to understand the program quite well. I only need to follow it. Um, Yeah, Because of that, I am grateful to, to be working every day with fellows, with my sponsor, with all of you and listening because I learned from you. So thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Juan Carlos. I don't know, Lucy, if you had any comments or you want to go on to the next?
1: Mm, Yeah, no comments from me, thanks.
2: Okay, thanks, Lucy. Uh, Next up, Sarah. Thanks, thanks, Lucy. Uh, It's nice hearing you,
3: it's nice meeting you. Um, what was I going to say identify with you about like different addictions Um, and just I felt like I, I gave myself away for nothing but at least you got a tenner I'm only joking uh, I it was like like my sexual acting out I thought like it was due to the drugs and then I came off the, the drugs but I never came off the drink so I'm still sexually acting out be drinking so it was like I thought everything else was the problem—the drinking, the drugs—and then it was lastly like try to deal with like the lust. And like my sponsor told me, like that's probably because it's my core addiction—the lust—and it's the last one, hopefully the last one. I mean, I've got mental health as well. I've taken the uh, antidepressants for the last for the last f- three months here. Yeah? Um, I just came off them a couple of weeks for well, a week and a half ago just because I didn't want to get dependent on them and they just got me by like right bad spell but you're talking about your relationship with your higher power and I can, I'm not saying, I'll just say a man just for talking sake but a person, I can still think my I'm higher right. power is, is like, um, a, like a human that's just you know I'm
1: really working um, i mean,
4: Okay,
3: i oh, please, please mute. Please Thank check you. your... Thank, Thank you. Um, Like a human, like, at first of all, like, my higher power was distant, no there, no going to turn up for me. And I kind of got that, but today I'm realising that I feel like my higher power wants to separate me from relationships and keep me alone. And I'm just realising that's what my relationships were like out there. But I didn't actually realise that's what I was creating. For myself, and it's no true. So, how do you like? How do you get a higher power that you that isn't got these human traits? How do you realize your higher power is not like a human? If you if that makes any sense, thanks.
1: Right, Sarah. Nice to see you. Um. Well, when I asked that question to someone else who's longer in the fellowship a while ago, he said to me, "That's why we share with our with other members." um yeah that really helped me because uh, I've had some pretty wild ideas like in my mental illness like for example you see I'm God and I want you to go and have a, a baby and I'm like God how am I going to have a baby he's like well, go you, go and get pregnant without go uh, and sleep around don't use any protection so I went off and did that and then when I when I was speaking to this guy in SA about it, he said, "Gee, that's any ideas you get like that, you need to share with another member." And that is how we kind of get to the truth. And yeah, hope that helps.
3: Yeah, it actually does, Lucy. Thanks very much. It does help. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah, Lucy.
2: Okay, let's see if we've got. I still don't see any other hands up but the floor is still open.
6: I'm Nancy Sixahog, I just wanted to respond to a question in the chat. Um, if Lucy, if you would mind sending your number to Rachna is a co host <gasps> and then she could send it to one of the other women had, had asked for your number.
1: Sure, yeah, Well, I, I keep trying to fly it, but my phone's not having it. But yeah, send it to anyone Nancy. All right, thanks a lot. like Bye
6: bye. I mean, I'm still here but bye.
2: Okay, floor is still open. <clears throat>
9: Hi, I'm Jenna. I'm a sexaholic. I can share. Sure. Go ahead. Thanks so much, everyone, for being here. And thank you so much, Lucy. I felt like you 100% shared about The Real Connection. And you just shared from your heart. And I just, I really admired and um, I admired how, I don't know what it feels like to be on the inside, but on the outside, you just, it's. I just admired how straightforward you were and how it seems and in, any, in all of your sharing and responding, you seem connected within to yourself and that you know yourself well and you just give your answer and you say your truth. And that's something that I feel like this disease particularly eroded in me, you know, just that the disease just had me doing whatever would work. Um, and all the lying to myself, oh, this is fine, I'm fine with this, and probably God wants this, all the convoluted spiritual thinking and lying. And I just hear a lot of like freedom from that in you. And that's what I hear. At least I feel inspired by that. Um, I don't have any questions. I just wanted to tell you that I so appreciate you sharing. And, um, I, I'm coming back to essay and I always think it was just gone for a little while, but I was gone for like 12 years and there's a lot of wreckage and loss in that, Mm -hmm. um, in in the 2000s. And I was in t- till 2006 and had good recovery with good, lots of good in-person meetings with men and women. And I, and I left, you know, and I didn't connect, didn't connect how, how my life was going with that. So uh, I can't tell you how meaningful it is to me to hear your story today. And it, and people say, you know, the first time is a gift and the second time you have to work for it. At least that's what they say in AA. Um, And I'm really experiencing that in essay, like that's that connection with God, that God connection within myself. I feel like it was just gifted to me that first time around. Uh, I was with amazing people and somehow, I mean, I had to learn it. I for sure had to learn it. I'm probably totally glossing over those years of screaming and raging in meetings, but (laughs) the bottom line is losing it and getting it back is hard. And yet, you know, Just really opening my heart. I liked how you tried to talk about your connection to your higher power. It's not something that's easy to talk about, like that rawness or just opening up in the brokenness or whatever we can do. It's, it's, and that it's not always words. And that sometimes it is words for me. It felt unnatural to say, please, God, help me. on powerless over less. Please take this away. I wasn't taught to pray that way before. So sometimes asking in words feels unnatural to me, but then it works. And you're like, what? And then also that, that just that openness, especially when beginning of the day out of desperation, I just life desperation, by the way, you know, not always less desperation, sometimes just life desperation to try to like say, okay, God, you can have my whole life. I'll be the hole in the donut. I don't care. Like I am just open to who I can help and what my life, whatever. Whatever you want and that creates this like you were taught for me that sort of a space in my heart with God that can that can be there through the day. So thank you so so much. Um I hope I hear you again sometime.
2: Thanks Jenna. Okay yeah we've still got uh probably a good uh, 10 or 12 minutes so time for a few more shares still <clears throat> Okay, I guess I'll jump in there with a question. This is Daniel J. Sexaholic. Um, I think you mentioned that you didn't feel you were a good sponsor. And I totally identified with that. (laughs) And I don't know if it's, you know, the too much perfectionism defect that I've got, and it just kind of permeates into this program or whatever. I guess I've had maybe I don't know, six or eight sponsees. And I have yet to take one all the way through the 12 steps. I've got somebody hanging on around the 10th step and kind of stalled out there a little bit. But I can't, it's hard to get rid of that voice in the back of my head that, man, you're not ready to be a good sponsor. You know, but my sponsor tells me, no, it's all you got to do is just share your experience. You know, on the path that you've walked. So I'm just wondering what your experience was and how you came to that conclusion that uh, uh, about sponsorship.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, God. Well, the thing is, um, I get confused. I'm working, like, for example, I'm working with, like, five women and they're all at different places in their steps. I just, I get I get confused. I forget about what a lot of people have said, I've told me and confided in me. I forget. Um, And um, because I've worked those steps so many other ways myself, I always think what's the best way to help this person. Um, And I'm, I'm, you know, I worry that I've, I've kind of not done the steps as not perfect. there's no perfect way to, to do them, is there? I think you're right. There's a lot of perfectionism there, and a lot of fear. I feel like I've got people's lives in my hand, and I'm like, you know it it does matter our relationship does matter because my relationship to my sponsors, that really matters to me. And you know we're dealing with a lot of broken people who've had people abuse them or neglect them or abandon them. I, I just I, I carry that on my own shoulders, and I know I shouldn't. I do and um you know uh also my mental health does make does take me out of action every now and then and lately as it has been like that and so I've got people waiting to read their step work to me and I'm not available to hear it like it's 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 out of order it's out of order um on on them. Um, and also one last thing is that there's so many, you know, like when we say, if you want to work the steps, use the big book, use the white book, use the step into action book, use the 12 and 12. It's like, does it need all of that? And I've tried to, because I, 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 I feel driven to keep the steps as simple as possible. But then again, I'm told about there's all these books to read and does it have to be that that work heavy so i'm just kind of confused about it to be honest at the moment um and i don't really have any um solutions to that yet uh, apart from just helping hoping that i grow in humility because obviously it's not my job to save people it's just my job to show them exactly what i did and i also think if i ask them to do too much they're going to be like no i'm not going to swear if this recovery um, there's too much to it i don't want them to run away because they think i don't want them to i don't want them to run away from the program because i'm not working a, a linear program with them properly um yeah as you can see it's a bit of a mind f for me at the moment but um yeah it's just a hunch that i've caught because I, I haven't been able to show up for people lately um yeah that's it daniel
2: Hey, thanks, Lucy, and I totally identify with a whole lot of that. So I I guess I'm I'm not alone out there. So thank you, I appreciate that. And if you have fewer than thirty days of sobriety, I forgot to to mention that you're you're free to share as well. So um, I see Nancy, your hands up again, but let's see if anyone who hasn't shared uh, would be willing to share first.
6: Should I pop in here, Daniel?
2: Okay, yeah. go with some double dips, and I know Brian has uh, some quotes he'd like to read as well. So, Nancy, you go ahead, and then we'll go with Brian.
6: Yeah, I've got a question about what you just brought up. Something about not being available and what to do um, when you're not available. The last couple of months, that's really, really hit me in the face. Um, frustration with... I mean, I've been traveling for two months and just not being able to be available for sponsees and any tips that you could pass on, I would appreciate.
1: All I would say is that because of my mistakes, I'd say that we just be honest with those sponsees as soon as possible Um, in case, you know, so that they know it's not them. Yeah, as much. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Thanks. Thanks, Nancy and Lucy. And hey, Brian, you had some uh, higher power, big book quotes, I think.
7: Well, first, I just wanted to say thank you for your share on sponsorship. I, I could feel the compassion and love you have for you sponsors, and, and my higher power gave me a sponsor who wouldn't break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick, and I desperately needed that because I would have been one of those who freaked out if I would have had a militant type, do this, do that, do this. Um and so I'm extremely grateful for that. And I know that I couldn't see the path ahead, except that others had gone that way before. And you're, 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 you know, so someone, all I can do is be the brightest bulb on that path possible. And you are one bright bulb. I just want to let you know that. But regarding your, your higher power thing, um, I read every, in the big book, the 24 by seven higher power thing. I really appreciated that aspect that that's one big takeaway for me. Because I need assurance. Bill W. in in 12 and 12, step two at the last sentence says, every meeting is an assurance that God will restore us to sanity. And and on page 56, I read every night. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. What a mind warp compared to my faith tradition and how I grew up with, with my creator. And then on page 25, the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And another, another uh, warping thought there, uh, because um, anyway, yeah, with with my history, uh, well, with, with, yeah. Anyway, I just those sort of I read those every night to remind myself of what you just said. It's okay to rely on God in big decisions, and the the white book says it's trial and error, and the big book also gives that same sense. So I just wanted to thank you for that. I passed.
9: Thanks, Brian.
7: Yeah, thanks, Brian.
2: And, Buddy, I see your virtual hand up. Hey, thanks.
10: I'm Buddy. I'm a recovering sexaholic. And um, thank you, Lucy, for sharing today. Um, You had mentioned something about right now being in a a gray area or a gray mood. And, And then Daniel had mentioned about sponsorship. I've been sexually sober. I I think I'm in my 25th year um, in essay sobriety. I've been in AA 42 years. And these past three years have been the absolute hardest years of my life. Um, I finally got to the – when I I was over in Madrid for our international – in January 2019, and I found myself isolating. And when I came home, I got to start really working real deep on what was going on inside of me. And and the root of the issue is is called complex PTSD that goes all the way back to my near death when I was eight, when my older brother drowned. So I've been working real intensely to try to process all of this um and a lot of times like I call my sponsees for help um because I might be in the midst of a panic attack or, or just a whole physical PTSD response where I can't be available for them and I need them to help me um and as Daniel was mentioning it um Yeah, I've sponsored a lot of guys through the years, and I don't know how many of them are even still around. (laughs) Um, I don't know how many of them ever finished the 12 steps. I just can't remember. But the one thing that comes to my mind is that this is a fellowship. It's not a partnership. And what was impressed upon me, and I impress upon the guys I sponsor, is If my phone number is the only phone number you have, you don't have anything. (laughs) You need to get phone numbers because this is a fellowship. And if I can't take your call, call the next person on your list. Don't just rely on me because I can't keep you sober. And as I said, there may be days where I'm going to call you to ask you to help me to work through something. Um, and as I said, that was made real important to me in the beginning. Like right? this is a fellowship, not a partnership. Get lots of phone numbers and and just if you need to talk, which we all do, start going down the list. Um, so that's all. And and thank you. Thank you for sharing today. That's all. Thanks. Thanks,
2: buddy. Uh, Gregory, I
4: see your hand up. Thank you. I'm from Sarcos. Thank you very much, Daniel, and for your service. And uh, thank you very much, Lucy, for your share. I I absolutely loved it. I'm, uh, I'm fairly uh, new to the program. Uh, I am, you know, primarily in NA. Uh, I've done the steps there and I just started working steps in the same. And uh, you know, I guess you want to extend out a you know a huge thing. Thank you. And, you know, I'm, I feel really grateful for being able to listen to your share. Um and, and you know, although I didn't identify uh, that much with your story, uh, I really loved your connection with your higher power. And uh, you know, as a previous members shared, you know, it gave me. Um, to say the least, hope, you know, and, uh, and, um, you know, being in continuous prayer, it's, uh, it's a dream, you know. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to share. Thank you so much. We're really grateful.
2: Thanks, Gregory. And it looks like we're pretty much out of time. So, Thank you very much again, Lucy, for, for your share and for
0: your openness
2: and your honesty. Yes.
0: I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate